The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. You have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to go a little bit long today, so just prepare you for that. So relax, take a big breath. Of course, if you have to leave, you know, feel free to slip out. But uh, <clears throat> really wasn't on the agenda for me to preach today, but uh, we didn't know what was going to happen today. Sean didn't know what was going to happen today. So anyway, we met and talked about um, some things that I've been sharing, kind of a convergence of things with the whole stewardship messages, with uh, what God was speaking to me about our own ministry, some things that I had shared in... Uh, Brazil, and thank you for those who prayed for us the last few weeks and you know, while we were in Brazil. Very grateful for that. We had a great trip. <coughs> and uh, and I realized that what I've been sharing was basically a summary of Acts 1 to Acts 12, and that's exactly where we're at in the series that Sean's been preaching on and off all year on Acts. Next week, you know, Acts 12 and 13 is like a the hinge in Acts. It's like it's Peter and, and James and other people up to there, and then all of a sudden now the church goes beyond the borders of uh, Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem into the world, and Paul's ministry becomes kind of a central focus, uh, and, and others, but his primarily for the rest of Acts. So it's a real transitional place in Acts, and so, Sean wanted me to just share a little bit about the church and about a, another theme in Acts to emphasize and, and the vision of, of God's plan for the church. You know, uh, of course, Luke and Acts, you know, are one book, basically, and then they separated them when they canonized it. So, uh, at the end of Jesus' time here on earth... Uh, he says this in, in Luke 24. Let me just read it real quick. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And then we get to Acts 1. Of course, some say that the first part of this was edited because when they separated it, they kind of had to you know, make an intro to tie it you know, uh, give it some kind of introduction to take off from. So they kind of repeated a few things from there. Maybe, maybe rearrange the words a little, but, but it, it's very anointed. And so we're going to pick up there and talk about, first of all, why did Jesus come? Well, he came, we know, because he loved us and his father loved us so much that he wanted to redeem us from our separation from him. Save us from our sins, which is what separates us, and to give us the opportunity to be connected to Him spiritually and in every other aspect of our being, not only uh, eternally, but here too, in the, in the here and now. And we know that story. I hope you do, you know, of Christ on the cross, and that He came to give Himself for each and every one of us who will choose to surrender our will to surrender our pride that says, I want to be my own God, I want to do my own thing, 
I don't, I don't need that. Uh, and there's lots of reasons we hold on to that sometimes, even if we've been in the church our whole life. Because you can be in the church sometimes and not really have an intimacy with Christ. And if you do that too long, it gets to be a real drag. <laughs> but when you get to really have that relationship with Christ, you know, then it's like, oh, this is different. And so what had happened here, and, 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 and these disciples or these apostles and these other 120 at least people are waiting because uh, Jesus said he's going to send his promise, that the Father has a promise for you. And when I ascend, when I leave you physically, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to baptize you with fire. He's going he's to fill you with the very essence of what you've had walking with me. Now every person who asks, every person who seeks can be filled with Christ in us. And our spirit can be, uh, you might say, transformed. Our spirit can be connected to his spirit, and he can lead us and guide us into, into truth and into life. Amen? I hope that makes sense to you. Sometimes it takes a while to figure that out because it's kind of easier if he were sitting here, you know, in the front row and he could just come up and talk to us. But it's actually greater that his spirit is available to everyone. And, that's, and, and he came, but he came for another reason. He came to do something new in his family, in his body, okay? And just real quickly, when you go back to the Old Testament, you know, after, after Adam and Eve sinned and they were separated from God, uh, relationally, God still said, but I'm going I'm to keep pursuing you. That's a promise I'm going to make. And then later on, he brings, Abraham comes on the, the scene and he makes a, a promise to Abraham, I will be your God, you will be my people, and I want to dwell with you. We call that the tripartite promise. It goes all the way through the Bible till, till Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, when it's totally fulfilled. And we're in the middle of that. Maybe we're at the end of that, where God is fulfilling that promise. He's never faltered on that promise. He's done all that he could do without forcing us to be a part of his family, without forcing us to yield to him, because he doesn't want to force us to do anything. That's not love. That's not the kind of family he wants to build. He wants those who choose to say, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of being my own God. I'm tired of trying to run my own life. I want to yield my faith into your, your gift of salvation and your gift of, of life and meaning and purpose. And then I want, to, I want to do what you've called, the mission you've called me to do. So Acts is the story of this new thing, this, and, and we call it the church. So with Abraham, you know, it was his family, three generations later, kind of became the nation we call Israel. <coughs> And the Old Testament is the story of that family. And, and in the covenant made with Abraham, part of that covenant that kind of got somehow overlooked was that you're going to be the father of many nations. In other words, it was never God's intent that would there be one nation who was his family. But somehow that got lost. And the other thing was that families began to build their life on the law versus the love, okay? 
And we would have done the same way. So don't, you know, don't get on them. It's because they didn't have what we have. They didn't have the redemptive gift of Christ, and they didn't have the Word of God like we have it, and they didn't have the Holy Spirit available to dwell within them. We have all that. That's what was new. So if we pick up the story in Acts, we see that, that Jesus was speaking to them the last days of his life. He was always speaking to his apostles about the kingdom. And, and, and they still couldn't get this, this, this transition of you know, the kingdom of Israel versus the kingdom of God. They kind of thought it was the same thing because they thought they were the kingdom of God. And, you know, he was so patient. You know, he's like, he knew that, that it would take more than even him being present with them in the flesh to, to come to an understanding of this new thing. And so in the first part, he's talking to them and speaking to them about the kingdom. And then he says in verse 4 again, he said it several times in the Gospels before this, but he says it again, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he tells them to wait. And, and look at the, this is very important. The next, in verse 6, the next question they say is, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? It's really hard to get disconnected from the old thing. Even though he had talked to them about the kingdom and he, he, he had explained so many things, they still didn't get it. They still thought, well, that's all cool, man. You know? but, the, but to them, the promise was still about restoring the political nation of Israel and getting them free from the Roman oppression. Even after Jesus had been there with them this time, even after he had taught them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, they were still struggling. So they asked the question after all this, hey, is, okay, is it time? I mean, that's all cool, but, you know, is it time for Israel to be, you know, <laughs> a kingdom again? Are you ready to restore us back to our glory days like it was when King David was king? And, and it's funny is that he kind of ignores the question. I mean, he says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father's fixed by his authority. But you will receive power, okay? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. He gives them a template of how this is going to uh, function, how this is going to spread, even though they still don't understand it. But they had learned how to follow. And that's, that's a whole other message that we, we could think about. Just keep following. You don't, always get, you don't always get it. You're not always understanding what God's doing in your life. You're not always sure what's happening in the world around us, in His kingdom. Just keep following. And as you follow, spend time with Him in the Word, in prayer, asking Him to to fill you, baptize you with that, that baptism of fire from the Holy Spirit. Just ask Him. You don't have to make it complicated. Just in faith, say, Lord, I need that Holy Spirit. I need the promise of the Father. Because it is for every single person since that time, Acts chapter 2, 
Since that time till now, it's still the same. No matter what you think, maybe you've been taught something different, okay? That's not the truth. If you just read the Word, you'll see that that promise has not been ended. We need the Spirit. We are still uh, need the power of the Holy Spirit. And, by, and power doesn't mean just we're going to do miracles. It means we're going to know how to live the way Christ wants us to live. We're going to be able to hear His voice. We're going to be able to, to become what He created us to become and do what He created us to do. And, and that will be a witness. It will be a witness to wherever you're at. You know? And so what happened then is, is in Acts 2, we, we, we do talk a lot about Acts 2 in, in our church, the Spirit of God fell upon those, those people in the upper room from different countries. I mean, they're all Jewish, but they were from all over the world at that time. And at that moment, everything changed, right? All of a sudden, things begin to make sense to the apostles. All the things Jesus taught, all the things that the Old Testament taught, prophesied about, spoke to, that they never connected to any future time, now all of a sudden made sense, began to make sense. And this new thing was coming alive, the church. And it was going to be different than the old thing. It's hard for us to live in the freedom of the new thing. Because we tend to, to kind of default back to the old thing that we understand. But often the old thing isn't really what, what there's no life in that anymore. So, and we don't have time to go into all that, but, but all of a sudden everything changed. This new covenant, we call it, kind of comes to life. And the new covenant really was the original covenant in the garden before they chose to separate themselves from God. And that was to have, you know, relationship with Him, to be loved by Him, to love Him. The two great commandments were, were the essence of that covenant and still are today for the new covenant. And so they waited for the Spirit. This thing happened. Uh, and this new thing began, and it's the church. And it includes anybody and everybody that surrenders themselves to it, yields to it, and says, I want to be a part of that family. And, and there's, some found, there's some important things about this new thing that wasn't in the Old Testament, wasn't in the Old Covenant. It was Spirit-led. Now, the Spirit did lead certain individuals in the Old Testament to do things. Moses was led by the Spirit to deliver Israel. But, but the Spirit wasn't just... Not everyone had access to the Holy Spirit at that time. And now we do. In the New Covenant, we have access, each of us, to the Holy Spirit being in us like it was in Moses. You know, like it was in Elijah and Elisha like it was in, in, I believe, King David and others. The Holy Spirit is available to us to do the new thing, to do this new thing. Uh, and again, it's for all. It's for anyone who will receive. It's for them. <clears throat> and then the last part is, it's for any, anyone away from where we are, too. It's for not just a certain culture, a certain ethnicity, a certain group of uh, theological uh, 
group of people, like the denomination. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and it's four-dimensional. Okay, and this is the part I want you to really hold on to. There's four dimensions to this new church. There was in the old, but they didn't quite understand it. One is there's, there's you and me, us as individuals, dimension number one. God is, is in this new covenant making himself fully available for us to have an intimate relationship with him. That's why he gave us the word. That's why he gave us the spirit. That's why he gave us the church to allow us to come to know him like those who followed the law could never know him. You know, they could only know him cerebrally, you might say. They could do, try to do the rules and behave well. But if you don't know him, if you don't have a relationship with him, that's an impossible task. It's, it's pretty hard when you do know him deeply. But you understand, in the New Covenant, we understand a different identity. We are not trying to gain God's love anymore. We have it through the cross. He died to give us and to show you all are loved. Everybody's loved. We've preached that a hundred times, so I won't spend more time there. But the first dimension is you. God is concerned. God is is, is about you individually, every one of us. That's amazing. You know, some days I still, for a moment, have a doubt about that. Like, really? You know, the God of the universe has time just for me, has, has a real deep concern just for me. And what I've learned is, yes, he does. And he's available every moment of every day, whenever I want to stop and come to him and say, Lord, I need to talk to you. I need to listen to you. I need to be led by you. And then the next dimension, of course, is the local community of believers. And you see in Acts how that develops, you know. And in Jerusalem, it began to develop pretty dynamically, actually. Uh, the first, after the first message ever preached, there were 3,000 people who came to Christ. Now, yes, then there were other thousands of people that thought they were just a bunch of drunk, crazy people. Okay? But there was these people that heard the real message and surrendered themselves to that, to that truth that said, God cares, God can forgive you, God loves you. And even got filled with the Holy Spirit. But on the other hand, they struggled to get out of Jerusalem. They struggled to get out of that one dimension that said, okay, it's, it's us Israel, it's us Jewish people. You know, they couldn't get out of their own four walls very easily. They were having a great time. God was with them. Acts 2.42, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to, to fellowship, and breaking bread with one another. I mean, they were, they were doing their work. They were selling their possessions, you know, and, and bringing them together to help everybody who had need. I mean, what an amazing picture of a family. But they, but they weren't still didn't have the vision to get beyond that dimension. And then in chapter 7 and 8, Stephen comes along, and Stephen is, you know, the story we went over it earlier in the series. He's stoned to death because of his testimony, you know. 
And he is, you should read chapter 7 again. It's a great sermon that he gives. It's amazing what he says in that, in that message. And, and he's stoned, and guess what happens? Fear. <laughs> Fear comes on the church and their, their little four walls, you know, although at that point there were thousands of people. And so some begin to leave Jerusalem. And they start going to Judea. Judea is, a, you know, a, further into that region of Judea. And then some went to Samaria. And they began to, to teach the same thing to them, begin to express to them that Jesus came to do a new thing. And he's offering himself to you to be in that family. And people came and they believed. And guess what? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it is the, the acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what the book really, that's what's named Acts. It's, some think it's the acts of the apostles. No, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit in the apostles, through the apostles, and through all the other believers that came to him. And so there, there they were. They began to, to go to their community, the broader community. Remember Acts 1.8, you'll go to Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And remember they hated the Samaritans historically and to the uttermost parts of the world. They weren't even close to the last one. They weren't really close to the second, third one really. But they went, and Peter ended up in Joppa. And, of course, he has the vision that God gives him, basically saying, hey, it's not just about Jews anymore. <laughs> that God is going to do a new thing, and he's going to include the, the Greeks and the Gentiles. And then God sends people from Cornelius' house to Joppa, knocks on his door and says, hey, God told us to come here. And Peter's like, oh, yeah. And he goes, and they get filled with the Holy. They get saved. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get water baptized. It begins to spread. This next dimension is created, and that's the dimension of those in the community around them. I like to say it this way, those who are geographically and culturally close to them. Okay, So that's our city of Lincoln. That's, our, that's really America, in a sense. I mean, we all speak the same language, for the most part. And we all you know, kind of understand culturally things about each other. That's being stretched too, but still, we are culturally, geographically close. And so we begin, they begin to have a vision for the people, not just in their four walls, basically. And so that's a big part of what God was doing in this new covenant, this new thing. And then the fourth dimension is, is others, those who are geographically and culturally far from us. We call that foreign missions is one of the terms we use for that. That's what uh, uh, our friends have done for years. That's what so many that we support do. They go to other nations. They go to other places where his name has never been spoken sometimes, you know, where they have never got to even hear uh, about even the old covenant, Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Now they're they're being offered, you know, God. And that fourth dimension or fifth dimension is, is a critical part of him coming back even. You know, I have to tell you, sometimes as a missions-oriented kind of person in a big part of my life, in my passion, it's like when people start talking about, I can't wait till Jesus comes back. Sometimes I, I kind of like, 
That's a little selfish. Come on. <laughs> Relax. There's still people that need to hear his name. There's still people that, that need to be given the invitation and the opportunity uh, from those who will choose to go to tell them that story. They need to hear it. So although we'd all love for him to come, let's, let's, <laughs> let's want that for other people. Amen? So, so the church, the new covenant church, is not a one-dimensional church or even a two-dimensional church. It's not just about me and, and our family right here in, this, in these four walls. It's about the whole world. And, and I need to have, I'm going to skip a bunch here because of time, but, but I need to have a vision for that. We want Crossroads Church to be four-dimensional. And if you follow Acts, first 12 chapters, you'll see this, this evolution of things happening to spread this out. And then this guy, Saul, who was at the stoning of Stephen, holding all the coats of those who were stoning him, later on, he's a zealot Pharisee who had a heart for the God that he knew. And who was the God he knew? It was the old covenant God. It was the guy, you know, it was from that old law system without the revelation of the new. But when he met Jesus, miraculously, he got a vision for the new covenant. He got a vision for the new thing. And, and because there was no place for him, because there was no place for that dimension yet in the church, he had to go back to his homeland in, in Asia Minor, Turkey at that time, and he had to wait nearly 14 years while the church was coming into its fullness of being four or five-dimensional Finally, there was a church in, in, in Acts 11 and 12 begins to get mentioned this, act, this church called Antioch. And this church in Antioch, which is on the northern coast, the furthest north region, it wasn't even really Israel, it was right above that, uh, the church began to be expanded to all types of people. You know, Hellenists, Greeks, Gentiles, uh, just every all the all the cultures that were is a very cultural city, and and God would send. You know, the the apostles in Jerusalem start hearing about this thing going on. You see, it wasn't even part of their plan, their vision for Antioch to happen, but it was part of God's plan. Now. I don't want to be that short-sighted. I want to be thinking about the Antiochs or planting the Antiochs or being a part of those for my ministry is supporting those people who are being the, the ones starting the Antiochs all over the world, the ones that haven't been included before. And so uh, this kind of, you might say, this new thing, this church, and the same thing happened there. They got saved, they got filled with the Spirit, they got water baptized, and the leaders in Jerusalem, the apostles, say, hey, we need to send somebody there to check these people out. Because again, this wasn't part of the plan. I mean, this wasn't part of our, you know, our strategy. We, we weren't ready yet. We weren't even thinking about going to the uttermost parts of the earth, which meant other ethnic groups, other 
cultural groups, other people far away. And so they went. Barnabas, they sent Barnabas. Remember, Barnabas was Saul's friend early on. And when Barnabas saw what was happening there, what God was doing, then he said, okay, I'm going to go find Paul. This is where this is where Paul comes in, and he goes and grabs Paul. And then we'll be picking up that story uh, in the series. But he says, he brought him back to Antioch. They stayed a year. They were teaching. They were preaching. They were learning. They were experiencing God together. And then one day, as the church is praying, they were led by the Spirit. Those words are actually what it says. They were led by the Spirit to set Paul and Barnabas apart and say, you need to go. You need to go where God sends you to the othermost parts of the world. And the rest of Acts is about that story. And the planting of the gospel and the, the, the new covenant churches all over the world at that time. In the Bible, at least, all the way to Rome. And all kinds of places in between. And so we need to realize that we are not we are not one-dimensional. When people say, I don't need the church. I can be a Christian. I don't need to be a part of the fellowship. They're one-dimensional. And they think that they somehow can, can do it without anyone else. It's not biblical. Now, if you think you're going to find this, the second dimension, if you think you're going to find the perfect little family, okay, maybe you should just stay in your first dimension. Because <laughs> it... it it isn't, because we're still, we're led by imperfect people. People, you know, like you. Oh, did I, did I really say that? Yeah, people like you and me, you know? We're all in this together, just like a family. My parents weren't perfect. How many of you had perfect parents? How many of you have been perfect parents? But they still loved us. They still raised us. They still fed us. They still cared for us. Maybe they, some didn't do a very good job, but you're here today. We need to be part of a family, a spiritual family, which also begins to affect our emotional family. It becomes an emotional family. It becomes a, a, a place of safety, a place of support. But not just to stay there, but to then say, what about these other dimensions? We have a vision for our community. And that doesn't mean the church has to, like the church leadership team has to figure out how to do ministry in the community. You do it. You join up with the mission. You join up with the pregnancy center. You join up with some. You create your own ministry. You know? 80% of the people in the church don't really have, don't have a real responsibility in the four walls. There's a team of people doing that. It takes about 20% typically. So, you can go in your community and connect, start your own thing, get a part of something, and become part of that third dimension. And then a few of you, God might open your heart and say, you know what, I might go to another country. And, and some, some places you go, it's a specialty, like what we do. We don't plant churches, so we don't have big evangelistic meetings. We go to places that, that it's already happening, and we support those and pastor, give pastor care to those who are doing that work and need care so that they don't, get, they don't drown 
and the difficulty and the hardship of what that takes. Because they can be very alone out there. They don't have this. We need to have a heart for that. Every one of us need to have a heart for every dimension of the church. Now, we're all going to have a passion, though. Okay? In other words, you can't do all five, five things. In other words, you can't all be working, you know, in the community and also be living in another country. It kind of doesn't work, right? So God will put in your heart a particular passion. It's going to be different than my passion. My passion uh, for years was that first dimension because I was a pastor. And, and it was to equip the saints for the work of service, to building up the body of Christ, so that they might go and do those other dimensions. But now it's shifted in me, where now it's to do, you know, he gave me a heart for missions. He gave me a heart for that last dimension years ago, and I began to move that way. And then he gave me a heart for the ones who are doing it, to pastoral, give them pastoral care, to help them remember God loves them, and he wants to, to work in their lives. And so I call it the passion plus three. In other words, maybe I should say four. In other words, the me thing has to be a passion. Your own relationship with God, you got to make that happen. Or, you, or the rest of it don't have a lot of life to it. It's more old covenant thinking if we don't have that. And then there's your passion. What is your passion? What do you love about the work, the, the kingdom of God? Nobody likes the rule part. We're not, we're not going to walk by the rules, right? We're going to walk by the passion of God's heart for people. And yours might be for the lost. Yours might be for, you know, some particular thing in the community. You know, my wife has a, a passion for, for women and for, for babies and helping them have babies and worked at the pregnancy center because that was a passion for her that God put in her. Okay? I'm not going to work at the pregnancy center, you know? You know, I, I barely got through raising six kids, you know. So it's like we have different passions, but I love her passion, and I want to do what I can to support her passion for the things God's put in her. But I have, I have a different passion. So we all have our own passions, and we can put a lot of energy into that, but there's the other ones that we have to also care about, love, be a part of, you know. I want to be a part of all five dimensions. You know, I could do what I do without being a part of a church, you know. I'd be an idiot to try it, but I can do it, you know. But no, I know I need this local family, uh, even though we're gone a lot, I need that in my life. Because I need to be reminded about the poor down the street. I need to be reminded about the needs right here in the body, people struggling, people needing a little help, a little encouragement, a little counsel, whatever it might be. And I want to be a part of all that. And, and so Acts 1 through 12 really is the story of the church, this new church, this new thing, this new covenant thing that Jesus died for. He didn't just die for you to get saved. He died for this new family thing, the, the dynamic to take place that was different than the Old Testament dynamic. 
and it has these dimensions. It's, it has a fullness that they never saw before. And we can only see it if we have the Spirit of God in us and the love of God in us. We, we can't, we're not very good at being five-dimensional people. We, our default is to be one-dimensional, me. You know, But as we get to know Christ, as we get to, to interact in the family that He's put us in, then all of a sudden our, our world, our kingdom begins to expand. And, and as Ephesians 1 tells us, that it's the heart of God, that the body of Christ begins to reflect the fullness of Christ. And that's, that's our vision. That's what God was doing in Acts 1 through 12. He was taking him from that one-dimensional mindset that they'd lived with for thousands of years, and he's saying, now with the Holy Spirit and with Christ, and for us, the Word we can actually begin to fulfill the promise of God that he made to Abraham. Amen? Lord, I just thank you for your promise. I thank you for your big vision, your, your love for the world, your love for the whole family, that you don't see us by color, by ethnicity, by wealth. You don't see us by gifting. You don't see us. You see each of us equally as sons and daughters, and you love us, even though we all experience all kinds of different things. And with those differences, together we can reflect your fullness and we can touch all five dimensions of your family, of your body, of your mission, of your purpose. So Lord, we ask you today, to speak to us, each and one of us. May, may we ask you and seek a passion. Lord, do I have a passion for any particular part? Lord, help me fulfill that passion. Help me go after that passion. Lord, do I even care about the fifth dimension? Do I even care about the world people lost in some other country? Do I even care about the homeless people or, or these people or that people in our own culture, the lost people, the confused people? people living in chaos and hopelessness. Do I even care about them? Lord, let, give me some passion there. And do I care about the people I'm sitting next to? Lord, speak to us. Holy Spirit, lead us, because we need to be led by you. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.